Hello and welcome to Radius Coffee Talk. I'm your host, Liam O'Brien, community organizer here at Radius Cowork. Coffee Talk is a short-form podcast where I interview Radius members and share their stories, insights, and experiences. We hope that this podcast can help you learn a little bit more about one of our many members and help foster more connections in our community. For anyone tuning in for the first time, Radius Cowork is a co-working space located on the ninth floor of the Renaissance Building in downtown Erie, PA. We're passionate about Erie's downtown revitalization and contribute by providing freelancers, remote workers, and small businesses with better services, facilities, and community to get work done. Learn more about us at radiusco.work. With me today is Casey Kelly Perez. Casey is a brand designer and strategist with over 15 years of experience as an art director and design educator. She earned her MFA in graphic design from the Rochester Institute of Technology in 2013 and worked at several agencies and studios in New York, including Grammy-winning studio White Bicycle. Her practice, Limbic Studio, allows her to work directly with startups, business owners, and agencies who value strategic design and are passionate about what they do. In recent years, Casey has focused on businesses in the alcohol, food and beverage, retail, and outdoor categories. She has worked on client projects, including Alanis Morissette, Sony, and Comcast. The majority of her work focuses on visual identity systems, packaging, and UX UI design. Casey has taught as a tenure-track professor and continues to teach classes and serve as a guest design speaker as time permits. In her free time, Casey enjoys painting murals, mountain biking, trail running, cyclocross, golf, and alpine skiing. She has also recently launched a self-published children's book series, Forest Crossing Friends. Casey, it's good to have you on Radius Coffee Talk. Thanks, Liam. I'm glad to be here. So I wanted to start actually with what the heck is cyclocross? I've never heard of it before, and it's probably pretty cool. Um, It is pretty cool, and if you haven't tried it, I highly suggest you do. Um, The best way to describe it to someone who hasn't heard it um, is a mix between mountain biking and road riding. Um, It originated over in Europe, and it's come to the U.S. in recent years, and essentially it's a one-mile obstacle course in a park, and there's a whole crew of people watching, and you do about four or five laps during a race, and you're throwing your bike over your shoulder and jumping over barriers and riding through mud and sand, depending on the terrain. You're like a Swiss army knife. Every time I think there's another, like we've figured out everything, there's another surprise around the corner. It's super crazy. Like, I mean, all these hobbies that you've got, is this something that you, like, do you kind of work through them every year, every few months, or is it something that you pick up and put down? Like, how does that work? Um, A little bit of both. I'd say a lot of the outdoor things I do are like my passion and, and they help me balance the hours of sitting in front of a computer with moving and being outside. Um, but I'm, and we might figure this out today, I'm a super curious person and I love learning new things and I can't help but like be excited and enthusiastic about things. So along the way, I've collected a lot of, I guess, tools for my Swiss Army knife. And I consider myself maybe more of a jack of all trades. So my Swiss Army knife objects aren't as sharp as (laughs) some others might be. (laughs) Well, still really cool to have a a nice variety of interests. Like I feel like lately in my life, I've been been very like compartmentalized in the things I'm doing and I definitely look forward to the day when I can have a a cool resume of hobbies. Well, there's something to say about having focus too. I mean, there's a time and a place for that as well. (laughs) For sure. So I wanted to start with asking you as well, how did going to middle school lead to the Uber pitch competition? So I had been probably like 10 years into my design career, um, which I loved, but I was on the computer a lot. And 
I initially started design because I love working with my hands and painting and drawing. And one thing I was really curious about was jewelry and jewelry making. Um, I think the balance of like design and handcraft that goes into it kind of excited me. Um, and I wanted to get back to my roots and maybe pick up a hobby where I could, you know, on the weekends and at night make with my hands. So of course, being the person I am, I jumped 100% into this whole idea of building up a jewelry brand. And I put myself through a two-week um, bench jeweler and stone setting school down in Nashville. Um, that was about 10, 12 hours a day working with torches and soldering. And I bought a whole setup. Um, and this is back in 2015, I think, or 16. And um, I built this whole brand. Um, it was called Pretty and Grit. And I spent about three years making jewelry and going to markets and I had an online store and it was quite successful, but at one point it came to a crossroads where I had to choose um, being a design professor or pursuing jewelry full-time. But back to the Uber pitch thing, um, I started out in Buffalo with this idea and at the time Uber was entering the Buffalo market and as a promotion they had this Uber pitch thing and I'm sure you've probably heard of it, but um what they do is bring in uh, VCs and investors and they sit in Uber cars and you have to hail an Uber and you have three minutes to pitch them an idea. Oh, so, that's, so, that's so cool. Yeah. And I had never done that before and I was super nervous, but I wanted to do it to like learn the process and like meet people. And so I pitched my jewelry idea and um, I won't get into it now, but the whole idea behind the brand was pretty conceptual and it had like a cool um, kind of hook to it. Um, so I kept hitting the Uber button to like hail an Uber all day long that day because I guess I think there were like I I might be wrong, but I think there were like twenty five to fifty like VCs and business people and I guess they had had over like a thousand Ubers that day for people trying to pitch. So it was really hard to get one. And I didn't think I was going to, but like the last half an hour that this pitch thing was open, I got one and I went to the finals that night with three or four other people to pitch our ideas to like an audience and the mayor and everything. And it was super scary because I actually didn't have a viable product at that time. It was all the idea and I had sketches of what I was going to make. Um, but it was cool because I learned a lot of people and I learned how to pitch and a little bit about entrepreneurship. Being a, a good pitcher, I guess, is a pretty, it's a good talent um, because in in life, I feel like we pitch a lot of things without even really realizing it. Yeah. So that is a great experience to have. Um, I, I spent some time working on pitch decks for a friend one time. Like he, he was someone that worked at my office and I was just helping him out. And it was such a good experience because I think being able to think like that can really help you when you're trying to convince your friends where to go to dinner or something, you know? Yeah. And it also <laughs> helps you poke holes in your idea. And I think I'm not a salesy person, so I have a lot of issues with like, um, you know, people who are hard sellers on things, but it's very important to have those skills even as a designer. And it might be considered a more like dirty word in design school and everything, but you have to be able to convey your ideas and communicate effectively. So things like that are very intimidating, but they're great experiences and why not throw yourselves to the sharks, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about maybe what your strength is, which is brand strategy. Um, how did you get into that very artistic and creative field? Um, so I've always loved drawing and painting. And when the time came for me as a, as a young high school student to decide what I wanted to do, I had kind of two paths that I was choosing or deciding whether to take one of them was 
physical therapy or pre-med, and then the other was design. Um, well, actually illustration. Um, but at the time, my parents said, I think you should go for something more technical. And, you know, I could argue them on that. But I went the design route. Um, and I, I practiced design for a number of years at um, some agencies in Buffalo, New York, and learned from really great mentors. And during the first few years of my career, I really was interested in the more like strategic side of things and how ideas came to fruition and how companies thought about working towards their goals and all the things that went behind that um, through strategic planning and marketing and everything. So um, I'm a designer by trade and that's what I do day in and day out. But I bring this layer of strategy to it that I've learned throughout the years. And also when I went back for my MFA, um, I took a number of business courses and I'm constantly reading brand strategy books and listening to podcasts and everything and trying to learn and, and meet people in my life who we can discuss these things about. And it's kind of an ever evolving thing, especially with the way technology is going. And, and now we're in the attention economy where you have influencers and a lot of people on social media who influence people's decisions and everything. So the whole brand strategy thing is more and more important. And it's also more important to make sure it's coming from a place of authenticity and truth versus just making stuff up to make money or to get what you want. So Yeah, absolutely. That that kind of makes me think of uh, Simon Sinek's The Golden Circle. Have you have you seen that TED oh, yeah. talk before? I, I love that. Yeah, basically it, it says people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it, right? Mm -hmm. And being very true to that I think is what separates good brands from great brands. Yeah, and when I was working at White Bicycle um, – one of my greatest mentors in Buffalo showed that video to me. And that was like one of the aha moments I had as a young designer. I was like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be. So when I teach branding and, and visual identity classes, I always show that video to students. Oh, it's a great resource. I think um, for anybody listening, if you haven't seen it, check out Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K, I think. The Golden Circle. It's a really great TED Talk. It's an older one, but yeah. still super valuable. And I think it's called about like how leaders oh yeah that's right how leaders lead yeah something like that or how leaders inspire something yeah his his book to start with why is mm -hmm. awesome um i'm almost done with that one and then he has another one find your why that i'm reading next i need so. to get on both of those i've read the infinite game which was a great book but honestly oh. you could just watch the ted talk and get 90 percent of the material i'm writing that down <laughs> <laughs> really good one too about infinite mindset uh, versus a finite mindset or games really in the in the world of business that's cool so brand strategy, um, your parents were giving you this advice to take on the design, the more technical course. So maybe backtracking even more now, tell me a little bit about the early life and anything maybe that growing up kind of built you up to this design mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd say um, my father was always a little bit like OCD with like keeping things organized and always like put this here, do that there and micromanaging. And I think that led me to somehow I like my brain is very, it looks like, like if I could visualize my brain, it would be a tornado, but I've developed the skill to like be able to articulate and like calm the storm. Yeah. And like output it in a creative way, which has taken a while. Um, and maybe that's why I'm a tornado of experiences and interests because that's my way of like wrangling things when I have to focus. Um, but that also, um, my parents had this like tiny little attic space when I was growing up and she, my mom from, I think it was my birthday one year. She said, all right, this can be your art room. 
and I had crayons and construction paper and they would always save like egg cartons and just random things from the garbage. And I would make the most ridiculous, probably stupid creations. And so that was part of it. And I painted murals on that wall. She let me use my like tempera Crayola paints, you know, and there's a bunch of ugly things up there to this day that are just chipped away. Mm-hmm. Um, one other interest I had was um, always like making and selling things. And I don't know where exactly that came from, but probably when I was in like second or third grade, I was super into making bead lizards. And I remember selling them at garage sales for like 50 cents or something. And the excitement of like making something and selling it always really intrigued me. And it's kind of carried on throughout my career with a bunch of random things I've done over the years. And like, um, just being really interested in, in people who make and build their own art or businesses for that matter. So how do you think your entrepreneurial kind of mindset growing up and, and interest in design, how did that all lead then to, to teaching design? So um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this in the bio, where did you, where do you teach or where did you teach? So I've taught at a number of places. Um, I just moved to Erie PA a year and a half ago, but before that um, I taught at Rochester Institute of Technology for a while and um, that's a super great program. Um, they're really pushing the boundaries with technology and they have a really great kind of like comprehensive uh, set of courses. Um, and there's a lot of different tracks you can take. I taught in the graphic design department, but they have a great 3D design um, and interactive design track as well and new media design. Um, so I started there, well, um, I, I adjuncted and, and worked at um, Damon in, in Buffalo as well um, for a couple of years full time and then moved to RIT. And um, when we made the move here, um, unfortunately, that would have been a three-hour commute. So I really love teaching and learning from students. And I feel it's a little bit of my way to kind of like give back the things I've learned. And it still helps me learn. So I've been um, adjuncting just a class a semester at Fredonia um, right now. And I'm about to start teaching a professional practices course tomorrow there. So that'll be really fun. Um, Tell me about some of the cool projects in your career. So like why, and just to make sure I'm getting this straight, were you teaching while you were also doing some of these or would these projects come before you started teaching? Yeah. So I worked um, as a designer for two to three years before I went back for my MFA. I wanted to make sure I really liked what I was doing and understood it before I got my MFA. Um, So at the time I was only working. And then when I went for my MFA, I worked at the school and did a little bit of teaching, but also was a TA. And then after that, I came back and worked at White Bicycle, the studio mentioned um, in Buffalo for about six or seven years, I think. And that was an amazing experience. Um, Brian and Kyle, who are partners there, uh, taught me so much and we had a great time working together and they make a really, really beautiful work. So um, I worked there and that's when I dabbled a little bit in like adjunct teaching. And after White Bike, I worked full time at Damon College for a couple years, um, which is really where I got my legs for teaching. And they have a great program there. And when I was there, I worked freelance in the summer. So that kind of got me into the whole freelance thing a little bit. Um, And then I took on some projects during the school year, but I was pretty busy teaching and and being involved with the school at the time. Um, And same with RIT. So, yeah. So are there any specific projects in your career that either were super fulfilling or super great learning moments that you can think of? 
There are, there are many. Um, and I'm sure after this conversation, I'll think of one and I'll be like, darn it, I wish I would have brought that one up. But, um, one of the, I think one of the biggest ones that I had was my first year out of undergrad. So this is 2008 or nine, 2008. Um, somehow, uh, the creative director there entrusted me to lead the art direction on, um, a bid to be the concessioner uh, of Kennedy Space Center. So basically, Delaware North Companies is a concessioner uh, for several stadiums and parks and resorts throughout the country. And they they go in there and they take over the concessions, like the retail shop, um, the employees, the food. They like manage everything. Um, so they were up for bid for the Kennedy Space Center back in 2008 or nine, um, And it was a six month project with like thousands of pages of writing, um, showing, you know, how they would take care of it and how they would manage it. And we had to go down there and do a whole photo shoot, um, with the park closed. And we had to, to cast people and figure out where we were going to shoot and scout everything out. And it was interesting because we didn't really have the remote connections we do back then that we do now. So a lot of it was like speculating until we got down there and then we had to go and really quickly do everything. So that was a huge learning experience because I worked my tail off for about six months, but it also, I think, really helped me understand how to work with clients and um, that I really enjoyed working directly with clients. And a lot of times at like agencies, there'll be an account director um, and or an account executive and whether you're a designer or art director kind of depends how much you interface with clients and everything. So I, I figured out at that point that I really wanted to be involved with clients. So that's kind of been my MO since then. So I'd say that was the biggest um, learning experience I've had. Cool. Yeah, that sounds like a, a really great experience. But that makes me think now of some of the clients that you've had and your interest in bourbon. So did you yeah. like bourbon before you started focusing on um, alcohol or did you start focusing on alcohol clients and then realize, oh my God, I love these bourbons? So that's a great question. <laughs> um, back when I worked at White Bicycle, they worked with a lot of folks in the music industry and some local small companies. And at the time I was seeing someone who owned a distillery there and that really got me into understanding the distilling process. And I just thought it was so cool that people could make alcohol and the process behind it. And they actually made all their alcohol from scratch, which is a whole other story because a lot of places will purchase alcohol and just kind of run it through a still. Um, but to learn about that process and to learn about the small business behind it and, you know, how much effort goes into it really got me into alcohol. And then I'd say the past like three or four years I've gotten into bourbon just because of the design of the bottles and the packaging and how beautiful it is and all the stories that go behind it. And some of them are total BS, but it's really cool to like try to figure out why and how things are made and all the lore that's behind it and go down to Kentucky and visit some of the bourbon companies that, that make our favorites that we see everywhere. So, And I've heard that bourbon or I mean alcohol in general labeling packaging is very tedious to, to meet all the requirements for. Is that right? Um, I would say so. So there's the TTB, um, tax and tobacco. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Um, and basically what you do is submit your label design to them and everything has to be right with the wording. And, um, you learn a lot as you go and they come back and they say, no, you need to change this, this, and this. And, you know, with, um, uh, Buffalo Distilling, who I work with often now, they, we have 
a pretty good formula down. Like they've, I don't know, we've made at least a few dozen labels over the years. So you eventually kind of learn where some of the rules are and how to figure it out. But there's so much more that goes into it too. Um, understanding where to source the glass and how big it is and whether it's heavy for shipping and how it can look and feel good on a shelf. And depending whether it's a clear spirit or a bourbon, you know, there's certain directions that you can go there. And there's so much more to it from a production standpoint, which is like really my, I can geek out on that all day. So I'll see a bourbon on the shelf that I love and I'm like, I need to go visit that distillery because it's so cool. Yeah. So shifting from an adult product to a children's product, tell me about your children's book that you recently launched. Yeah, this is, I feel like everything's all over the place. It's like bourbon. Mm -hmm. Oh, and kids books, (laughs) which are completely unrelated. Although there's, you know, design and production that goes into both. So, um, I guess this ties back to my entrepreneurial spirit. So um, since moving to Erie, I kind of set a few goals for myself um, for my freelance business, but I always try to do something on the side that kind of keeps my creativity flowing. And when I moved here, I I was in our basement looking through this box that my mom sent along. You know how parents sometimes like save really old papers and drawings and random things from your childhood. My mom gave me that box when we moved here. She's like, all right, this is yours. It's time. And I was, I mean, there's just so much junk in there, but I was looking at like my chicken scratch writing from like first and second grade. And there were so many papers and like little stapled books and things in there that said, I want to be an illustrator and a writer when I grow up. So, and I kind of had the appetite to like try to create a children's book. So that was my goal last year. Um, and I launched a whole, a whole series. So I have the first book out right now, but the series is called Forest Crossing Friends. And it's basically about a crew of woodland critters who are making their way in the world. And the idea is that with each book, um, there's kind of a life lesson tied into it. Um, I also did a ton of research on like publishing, self-publishing, print on demand and figured out something that will work for me for now. But my goal is to produce two to three books a year and it's all self-published and self-funded at this point and self-distributed. But I've gone to a bunch of schools and read to children. It's like, I don't know, I love volunteering to do that. And it's cool to see their faces light up and to talk to them about how they can make their own books and everything. Um, And it's kind of this project that I hope to work on for the next several years and potentially bring to a publisher once I have like a dozen books and see if it can get picked up on a bigger scale. So where can people learn more about you and your books and your, your design work? Like what's the best way to, to see all that? Um, I mean, the best way is let's grab a coffee or, or a bourbon. I love chatting and meeting with new people, especially being in a new town. Um, but you can also check out my work at limbics.studio and that's L I M B I C dot S T U D I O. Um, same thing for Instagram, limbic.studio. Um, and then forestcrossingfriends.com is my children's book series. Awesome. Well, Casey, this was a super cool conversation. I'm sure we'll continue it here at Radius. And I'm yeah. so excited to learn more about you even because I'm sure we've only opened a couple of those tools on the Swiss Army Knife. Yeah, likewise. I love <laughs> learning about what everyone's up to here. It's super cool to meet such kind of an eclectic, amazing group of people. So thanks for the time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Radius Coffee Talk. To learn more about the space, facilities, and community, or to schedule a tour to see it for yourself, please visit radiusco.org.